It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. And with me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. It has been a rocky year in the stock market. Uh, rocky by rocky, I mean horrible. And now, with the growing risk of a recession, should you be making any changes to your investments? We're going to dive into that topic and much more coming up on today's episode. Hoping to hit some questions from fans of the show. If you have a question, you can reach out to us a few different ways. Call or text 574 222 That's 574 Online. is where you can find us. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Guys, we're going to talk about investments today. Yes, it's been a rough year in the markets, and and there's one sort of pervasive question. Now, I'm going to take you back a year, okay? Last year, there was poor market breadth, meaning the market overall index was moving in a general direction, but carried by just a few big tugboats. There were a lot of other areas of the markets that were actually going down or moving very differently, and it's hard to keep up with the markets. Lots of people were struggling with that and struggling, what do I do with my investments? Blah, blah, blah. Well, the largest pension fund in the United States, enormous CalPERS. It caught my attention, caught your attention, did a Wise Money video about this uh, back when it happened last summer or whatever, decided, listen, we've got to take more risk. For our members to get a more competitive return, we've got to take more risk. And I remember, because I was doing these videos about the valuation seemed dangerously high, and, and now we've got this market breadth issue, and there's other factors that mean this might not be sustainable. Mm-hmm. And yet the largest pension fund in the U.S. says, eh, now's a good time to take more risk. Whoops. I think it's possible they're rethinking that decision right. at this moment. But it begs the question, when the markets are advancing, and let's say you're diversified, so you're not quite keeping up with just the market, you're going to be tempted do I, do I need to make some changes? But then when markets are going down and maybe, you know, your investments are going down as well, you're tempted to say, should I be making changes? Mm-hmm. I think that's natural. And we're going to help you with that today. First, before we answer that question, should you be making changes? What's driving all of this? What, what's, what's driving the economy and the markets right now? Well, I think it's a lot of the same things that we were, you know, kind of forecasting at the beginning of the year and, and the themes that were kind of all queued up for us. Things like uh, inflation becoming maybe out of control. We'll we'll see if the Fed is able to rein this in 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 some way. Are they going to respond with uh, enough aggression, I guess? Um, They're not going to. They're not. They are. I I think they've proven that, right? They're passively just thinking it's going to take care of itself. Okay, sorry. There's some people who are calling for them to maybe bring some surprises. you know, not just waiting for the next meeting to to mm. raise interest rates, maybe take interest rates more aggressive than the markets even realize to signal that, hey, we mean business. But so far, it, it hasn't felt that way. They've signals, signaled we don't mean business. That's right. Yeah. We're, you know, using kid gloves here. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so inflation then has an impact on interest rates, as we were just talking, and the Fed's, um, you know, use of that as a tool to try to tap the brakes on on uh, this inflation, runaway inflation. But all of that is having an impact then on the stock market and investors are recalibrating. They're trying to figure out what does the future hold here? And really the the stock market in in a way is a predicting tool. It's 
behavior today on whether I'm buying or selling stocks based on my outlook for the future. And that usually is the economy and just corporate activity in, in general. Yeah. So U Ultimately, we've been talking about this for about a year, just over a year, that the stock market has been at a very high price compared to the underlying earnings of these companies. So price mm -hmm. to earnings, the second highest level ever, only second compared to this thing called a tech bubble, right? And it wasn't this, oh, this tech time period. No, the tech bubble. So uh, price to earnings ratio, at highest level since then. But the that, other thing that would have been like a year ago, right at the time that California was making that move, which that, is why it's so puzzling. That's right? exactly right. But that's not even the worst of it. Price to record earnings. Yeah. Record earnings, record profit margins in the face of inflation that had us wondering, could these earn are these earnings sustainable? Could or are earnings likely to come down? And I think we've seen with inflationary pressures that's happening. All these big corporate companies now coming out saying, hey, we're forecasting things to be tighter than we expected. Right. Yeah, well, there, there has to be, to me, the big question is, what is going to happen with monetary policy? So as I see it, if you look at inflation uh, and they say well, the, the, the CPI is, what, 9.1 percent? <laughs> yeah, sure. And I say, well, add 10 percent to that. Um, because I even look at rents and what they're saying, you know, rents are up 4% year over year or whatever that number is. And I'm like, it's, it's not even close. It's not even. So rent year over year, if you just look at that, is up 19% year over year. But as measured within the CPI, they're saying it's only up four or something like that. It's, out, it's outrageous. Right. So I, I look at that and, you know, the saying figures lie and liars figure. Um, you don't, I personally have a hard time putting much stock in what they're telling us. And when clients will ask me, okay, the S&P 500 is down 20% through the middle of the year. Where is it going from here? And I tell them, I don't know. Uh, if, I do, if I did know, I'd be at the pool right now, and some would be rubbing suntan lotion on me, and another person would be fanning me, and I don't know, someone would get me a lemonade or something. But um, So... I don't Thanks know. Thanks for that mental image. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Thank you very little. I'm for that. feeling distracted yeah. right now. <laughs> hey, Mike, can you? Sorry. <laughs> Just pull over to the side of the road if you need to. Take a minute. Mike, Mike, can you help me? I'm a little bound with this speed. So anyway, so I think what I would do is is say, look, I can't know. There's no way it's noble. It will. Inflation is for the most part a a monetary policy phenomenon. Yeah. And so based on that, if the Fed, the Fed has to, to cool off the economy, they have to create this thing called demand destruction. And how are they going to destroy demand? And one of the ways they're doing it, and we're already seeing this in the housing market, mm -hmm. is they are, they've raised rates. Now, they're so far behind when you look at the, the Fed funds rate versus the 10-year Treasury note. Because those should be moving in lockstep, and we're not even close. Mm -hmm. So we don't know. But the, the, the Fed, and so the Fed seems to me to be not willing to take the, the pretty meaningful steps that got took in the 80s, which caused a recession, caused horrible pain, but got things under control. Mm -hmm. the, the demand destruction is typically, in our word, recession. What, what are the chances? So, so um, 
technically a recession is determined by a, a, an economic board, but if you were to just mm-hmm. try to come up with a definition, an objective definition, it's two consecutive quarters of a decline in GDP growth, so mm-hmm. negative GDP. And in, in the first quarter, remember back then, we all thought, okay, well, the economy might be a little bit slower because we've got labor shortages and supply chain issues. Certainly, we're not in a recession. And then wham, GDP in the first quarter was negative. Yeah. And then they just revised down it down. 1.6? Yeah, they, they revised it down. Now, what's the chances we have uh, a negative GDP in the second quarter? Mm-hmm. And uh, GDP now, the GDP now forecast from the Atlanta Fed on June 30th said we're projecting a 0.3% increase. And then by the evening on June 30th, they revised that down to a drop, a decline in GDP of 1%. By the next morning, July 1st, they revised that down again to a negative 1.9. Now, that's just a, an who, estimate. Who was crunching those numbers all night long? I know, exactly. Change their tune that fast. So it's very possible, guys. We're going to talk a little bit more about this, but it's very possible we're already in a recession and we. You know, we're yet to find out. We'll find out next week. I think the numbers come out officially or the data comes out officially on Friday. So, uh, but it's very possible we're already in one. Therefore, the big question, should you be making changes to your investments? We're going to help you with that question and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Very possible. We're going to find out next Friday that we are already in a recession. What's that mean for the markets? And what's it mean for you? Should you be making changes? We're helping you with that right now and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Engage with us there. All right, so... The GDP now forecast comes out of the Atlanta Fed. It is just a forecast, and there's disclaimers all over it that says, you know, don't interpret this to be actual GDP. This is just a a forecast. I don't know. I've been watching this thing for about three, four years now, and it's pretty stinking accurate. So when they moved their projection of second quarter GDP from a, I think it started the quarter at positive two. And then decline, decline, decline. And then within 24 hours, moved it from positive 0.3 to a negative 1.9. I don't know, guys. I feel I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we're in a recession. I'd be surprised if we, if we weren't in a recession. Yeah. Josh, what's – compare and contrast. You know, the recession is a measure of the economy. The stock market's connected to the economy, but different. Mm-hmm. So what's a recession? What's a correction? What's a bear market? Set the stage. Well, you, you gave the definition of uh, – of an economic recession in our first segment there. You said that the textbook definition is when the overall economy, all of the business activity that's going on in this country, it's shrinking for at least two quarters in a row. So think six months and we're six months into this year. We know the first three months of the year were in decline. And uh, at best, the second quarter was maybe break even just a little bit positive, but there's a lot of concern that actually maybe it was negative as well. And so we're already triggering the the definition of a recession there. And the the trouble with uh, that definition of recession is you've got to wait for all this data to accumulate before it's even official. 
But by the time you, you know you're you're hearing this, we've been in it for so long. It typically seven months, right? <laughs> it's two consecutive quarters. So if my math is correct, that's three plus three, and then another <laughs> month to get the news, get the official news. That's right. And that's right. Or or more. Because of the revisions, the yes. after-the-fact revisions, yeah. because people say, well, when I get the number, that's the right number, right? No, it's yeah. not the right number. E- even three revisions in, they're still calling it an estimate right. ba- <laughs> based <laughs> on that past data and everything. So you think about just how big the economy is. It's hard to measure, and it takes them a long time to measure and everything. But again, by the time you get the official word, we've already been experiencing this. It- it's like a Thanksgiving dinner. You know, by the time your your mind is telling you to shut her down, you are already over full, right? Like you've already overeaten. You're unbuttoning that top button, and uh, yeah, you you are in for some pain here. But uh, that's the recession. That's the economy, and for a lot of people, that's not real personal. Like it. It doesn't even become personal for a lot of folks until maybe it's somehow restricting your ability to spend money the way you want to or something, or worse, you lose a job, mm-hmm. right? That usually is kind of the telltale sign for a lot of people, oh yeah, uh, we, we are well into this thing. And, and what are the headlines right now? A lot of these major employers, you know, we, we're here in RV country, and there are layoffs happening. They are cutting back workforce and, and activity and everything. Uh, because people aren't aren't going to be buying like they were before. But what is more personal? The other side of, of this is how does how does all that business activity, the economy, have an impact on you and your own financial life? It usually hits you in the form of declines in your investment portfolio. Mm-hmm. The stock markets decline. And a lot of times we go into a declining stock market six to nine months before the economy has really felt it. So the, the stock market affects you before the recession really hits quite often. I mean, and, and just to illustrate, and you might not really be connecting all these dots here, but the stock market starts getting jittery October, November of last year, mm-hmm. right about the time potentially the economy is starting to slow down, but we can't tell. And in the first quarter, GDP and like the stock market is going straight down and we're all scratching our heads saying, really? You, you really think we can go from you know, demand that it's just insatiable. We can't even keep up with it. So many people have their hand in the air saying, I want to spend money. I need something. Can you just get it to me, please? I will give you money. Just give it, <laughs> give me what I, what I want. And we're going to go from that to a recession. Eh, hard to see. The stock market had already been anticipating that, mm-hmm. forecasting that and moving. Interestingly enough, if you, if you study recessions, by the time the board actually officially comes out and says, Hey, we're in a recession. It's, pretty stinking close it, historically to a bottom now mm-hmm. could be a fantastic time to invest now before we get into okay so how should you be making changes to your investments right now i point this out the last two recessions that we've had have been shortened or at least the markets have rebounded quickly off of it because the fed has taken very aggressive mm-hmm. accommodative monetary policy well, Will yeah. they be able to do that this time? Right. During the pandemic, we had, you know, the, the fastest decline. So I'm talking stock market now. Fastest decline in history and fastest recovery in history because of those aggressive moves by the Fed and Congress taking action. Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, essentially asking the Fed to print money, lend it to the government. The government drops it in your lap and in mine, and we all start spending. And that creates enough confidence all of a sudden that, you know, the stock market rebounds rapidly. I mean, it, it, 
it's almost like it never happened. It happened so quickly. Yeah, fastest right? recovery ever, you know, best 50 days in the market ever, one of the best 100 days in the market ever, yeah. But it wasn't a normal ending, right? Mm -hmm. You know, e eventually the stock market in a normal bear market, it gets down to levels where you can buy world-class companies at prices that don't even make sense. They're so low. Right. And eventually, you know, cooler minds prevail and investors start snatching those up and and prices get bid back up and we're into a recovery. And it happens very quietly and very suddenly. And it, it's difficult to anticipate when the, when the recovery is going to begin. I'm looking at the chart right now. And yes, markets going into the pandemic were were expensive, not not overly expensive, but expensive. And then they never even fully got cheap. Right. Right. You know, right now, then they move to the second highest price earnings ratio, um, only second to the tech bubble. And when we look at it today, it's average. Yeah. They but haven't gotten average cheap either. Based on, again, highest profits yeah. in, in history. So right. maybe there's still room to go lower, but uh, we, we've already felt an awful lot of the pain. Well, it's going to be based on earnings. But as of right now, uh, back to your point earlier point, Mike, that they're as, they're as pricey today as they were at the peak of the tech bubble. Mm. Yeah. So here's the question. Should you be making changes to your investments? Getting that question all the time. I mentioned mm -hmm. Kevin comes in the studio this morning and said, hey, this is what we're talking about. He's like, I got the question yesterday. Everyone's asking the question. Yep. Should you be making changes to your investments right now? Let, let's just open that up. Lots of different places we can go with this. Okay. Well, the, the, the person that asked me the question yesterday was a 40-year-old guy sitting in my office with his key guy who's 28 who's now um, their business partners, right? Yeah. And so they're saying, hey, you know, uh, we looked at our statements and we, what should we be doing about our 401k? Because we helped the, mm -hmm. their company with the 401k. And I said, uh, cheer the market down. <laughs> cheer it down. Because the 65-year-old you wants, to be wants you to accumulate as many shares That's at the right. lowest price possible. Yep. And so that's what um, that that's what he settled on. And but a lot of times people just need the pep talk. Yep. And I asked him, I said, well, how does your wife feel when she goes to the store and there's a 20 percent off sale on something that she really wants? Because, I mean, really, they're buying the the best run companies in the world. Mm -hmm. And you can go online and you can see what's wrong with this company and that company and the other company and blah, 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 blah. Uh, nothing's perfect, and bad news sells uh, pretty amazingly. But if if your strategy is to be an owner of the best companies in the world, that's what you got to do. Yeah, that's right. All right, should you be making changes to your investments? We're just starting to unpack that. We've got that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What sorts of changes should you be making to your investment, either risk or portfolio strategies? Should you be making any big changes right now? We're helping you with that and more. Right now, this is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name's Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show, as well as a lot of other content, is on the YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there, and turn on notifications so you're made aware every time we drop new content. This talk show airs there every Saturday morning, but also lots of other content all throughout the work week. And uh, so make sure you go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, turn on notifications, and uh, and hit that thumbs up button. We appreciate it. 
All right, so should you be making changes to your investments right now? Everyone is is wondering that. It's it's uh, never a bad time to confirm you're using the right investment strategies connected to your financial plan. And I think before, if you have this urge to say, should should I be making changes? That first question should be, wait a second, what are my investment strategies? How much risk am I taking? Is that appropriate? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's it's always fair to ask that question. Well, I mean that that's a very uh, calculated, rational approach <laughs> to to deciding, and it's in the context, hopefully, of a long term plan that is hopefully not influenced by these short term swings that naturally occur in the stock market. But but here's here's why I like that approach. It's the opposite of just letting your emotions rule the day, and and here's what we know about our emotions. They lie to us. They they tell us what the right thing to do is, and it's often the exact opposite of what we ought to be doing. And our emotions, you know, by definition, they will reach their lowest point right along with the stock market reaching its lowest points. Consumer sentiment right now is at a record low. That's the exactly lowest right. level it's ever been. Uh, is it ever? Yeah. Uh, the chart that I was looking at, it's at least it's at least as low as it's ever been in Kevin's lifetime. (laughs) And that is a long time. Let me tell you. (laughs) That is a long time. I'll tell you. But here's the beauty of it. So if consumer sentiment or how you're feeling about life and finances and economy and everything like that uh, is at its lowest point ever, you're saying, here's the encouragement and the warning at the same time. Listen, when it gets this low, the stock market's recovery is usually right around the corner. Mm-hmm. And the history has shown that in the 12 months that follow consumer sentiment getting really low like this, the stock market averages a positive 20, almost 25%. And that's nearly the exact same percentage. This is on average. This is not a forecast and, you know, f- you know what's the, what's the uh, disclosure? Um, uh, past performance is no guarantee of yeah. future results or whatever it is. But um, it, if you wait to hear, okay, we're officially in a recession, on average, the stock market advances about 26% 12 months later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yep. so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's darkest before dawn. What's the saying when there's blood in the streets, buy real estate sort of thing? Uh, I'm not suggesting that right now. Real estate's still pretty pretty expensive with high interest rates. But when when things appear the bleakest, that could be a great time to be investing. That's exactly right. And be warned, the opposite is true as well. When things seem the most positive, when investors or consumers are the most optimistic and feeling good and consumer sentiment is really high, that's often the the sign that hey maybe the good times have come towards an end and you need to be careful about the time to to come. So the the point is what we're feeling emotionally has no bearing on what economic reality is in front of us or what kind of stock market recovery could be coming. You might feel like it's just nothing but darkness out on the horizon and yet boy there there may be good times ahead. Uh, to me I would confirm I I would be careful about making some very quick emotional knee-jerk changes to your investments. I would first confirm you're taking the right level of risk for your overall financial situation. If you are 65 and need to start living off of this money and you've been infatuated with how the stock market has grown in 2019, 2020, and 2021, 
and you found yourself taking a lot more risk, 90% in stocks, I, I would check yourself right now and, and talk through, okay, what's the right strategy? Not to sell while things are off 20%, but try to start managing risk a little bit better. Conversely, if you're 30 and you're nervous and thinking maybe my future contributions in my 401k should go into low risk because I don't like this, these losses, no. I would, I would first, now is a good time to make sure you're taking the right level of risk, not to make sure you've got the best guesses about the future. Take the right level of risk for your overall financial plan. And then second, I'd make sure you're taking the right strategies. You've got the right investment strategies. It, it should, hopefully that is core kind of diversification and being you know, exposed to the US markets, but also international and real estate markets, and possibly some bonds, but you've gotta be careful there. But then mixing that with diversifying your strategy as well, so you've got another strategy that can move at, you know, differently, and, and it's not gonna be pulled in the same direction as a normal diversified portfolio. So mm -hmm. I, would, I would be doing both of those things right now. Yeah, we've had this conversation before. One of the most important financial decisions someone makes in their lifetime is what their asset allocation is. How are they diversified between a various mix of stocks and bonds? And you look at this year and through the, the middle of the year, um, basically value, large cap value stocks are down 10% and large cap growth are down 30%. Those numbers aren't perfect, yeah. but they're in the ballpark, ballpark, right? So you say, well, that's why I want to be diversified. I want to be rebalancing on an ongoing basis. And I probably want to have a coach, someone who can help me, who can talk me off the ledge, someone who can say, listen, you're not going to need this money for the next 13 years. Yeah. So don't worry about what it's doing this afternoon. Mm -hmm. it, a 20% decline in the stock market is a feature of the stock market on an <laughs> annual basis. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I, I think in order to be able to take that approach, you have to view, you almost have to think of your entire nest egg for retirement as maybe more of a series of nest eggs. Some of this is money that you need to spend in the next year or two. Mm -hmm. And that is money, I, I agree with you, it should not be falling in value right now. It should be in something stable where you know you can sleep tight at night and know that you've got what you need for the next couple of years. But then there's some money that's longer term and really long term even. Um, even if you are 70 years old, you still need to be thinking of part of your portfolio as really long term, 10, 15 years, because here's what I can tell you, unless you know something about your health that we don't know, I can say with conviction, you're probably going to live longer than you think you will. Mm -hmm. Okay. At least that's what history has shown. That's what all the studies have shown that people live longer than they expect. And that means that your life expectancy and therefore your need for money to be growing is potentially greater than what you even realize. Josh, uh, part of this question is, um, you know, we're, we're talking about, should you be making changes to your investments right now? And it's because emotionally, when markets surge, or when they quickly decline, we're emotionally tempted to, okay, should I make changes? Real quick, Josh, you've got a very disciplined recommendation as to when you look at your investments and when you recommend people look at and make changes to their investments. What's your approach here? Yeah, th this is just my opinion. And it's more of a limitation or a boundary that I put in place myself to prevent myself from making investment changes uh, based on the changing winds of the, uh, of the market. And that is, I, I give myself two windows each year. Uh, and for me, it's in January and July. 
And um, I, I give myself a month there to recalibrate, to rethink, all right, is this mix of investments that I have appropriate for my long-term goals? Not, is this mix of investments going to be the best or most optimal for the next six months? Is this going to yield the best results in the short term? No. This is, how do I stick to my long-term game plan and e either make a change or not? And actually, most of those windows that come and go, they, they come without any changes mm -hmm. because really, my long-term horizon hasn't changed. Yep. All right. More discussion about should you be making changes and a few recommendations. That more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFC studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast wherever you listen. Just search the Wise Money Show. Subscribe to it there or follow us there. And then do me a favor, rate the program as well. Give any feedback. We appreciate that. We value that. And it is helpful to us. Thank you very much. All right. This thus far, this entire show has been focused on the investments. Typically, do a show just solely focused on investments a couple times a year. And uh, right now, it's it's asking the question everyone's asking right now with all the moves in the market and the possibility of a recession. And gosh, do you think we're at a bottom, or could this thing go even further? Should I be making changes to my investments? And We've talked about how, listen, that is typically an emotional decision and you want to remove emotion from it, okay? If you're using a, a diversified strategy where you've got uh, you know, a, a smattering of high-quality, low-cost U.S. and international and real estate and some bonds as well, just make sure you're taking the right level of risk there and that you're using the right strategy. But then second should you be using a secondary strategy for more diversification or even a third? We've got a few different strategies. Our, our overall philosophy for investing to get the right level of diversification is to diversify your strategies. Why? Because when the stock market, when the U.S. stock market, Josh, started going down this year in January, what happened to the, so that's large cap stocks. What happened to small cap stocks? Uh, did the same thing. Yeah. What happened to international stocks? Same thing. No, same, right? same thing. Everything. What, was what happened to emerging markets? Yeah. What What happened to real estate? The only thing that didn't was commodities, dude. And commodities have been so terrible over the past fifteen years. No one <laughs> no even one wanted to them. hold them anymore. <laughs> I know. But think about this. So there's two interesting things that come out of this. What did you hear from the beginning of the year? Hey, buy gold. Buy oh, yeah. gold. You got to buy gold. So you watched, and all these gold bugs are, are like, okay, gold's at 1875 an ounce, and then uh, 1850, and then 1820. I don't know what is it is. I don't know what it is now. 17. It doesn't. I mean, it's ridiculous. I, 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 the people that say, hey, buy gold. But the other thing that has gone down along with everything else is starts with a B O N D S. Bonds. I thought you were going to say crypto. You don't know how to spell, Kevin. <laughs> right. Wait, bonds have gone. Have did digital assets go down in value as well? <laughs> yeah. So that's the problem. Because you look and you say, hey, my 60-40 conservative mix, I would expect that that's not going to do any worse than 8% in any given year. And you're looking at your blended portfolio and you're down 14 to 16%. This is the case, right? When, 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 the, when you need diversification to help you the most... It typically fails. 
correlations typically, and that's, sorry, geeky word there, go to one. Everything starts moving in the same general direction. The, the old saying of don't have all your eggs in one basket. So you spread them out in different baskets that are all going to move with the same current. That's why we consider, you know, and, and I would have you consider having m multiple strategies so that hopefully those different strategies provide an extra layer of diversification, hopefully. So uh, the only rebuttal I would I would say to that or maybe addition to it is because you don't want to throw out the the timeless approach of diversification because there are times when it doesn't doesn't work for you. Right. But it is doing something for you. You know, not all of those investments are down at the same level or the same magnitude and sure. everything. And so there can still be some rebalancing opportunities that present themselves where, you know, you can be selling something that's down a little bit and buying something that's down a lot. And that can give you a nice pop on the other side. But if you think that diversification is going to keep you from experiencing any pain in your portfolio, then I, I think diversification has been misbilled. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not been advertised properly. Yeah. So I, for sure, what I heard Mike saying is that it doesn't always work all the time. Yeah. Because right. for sure it works, and for sure it works over the long term, especially if you're an investor. Now, if you're a trader, uh, we probably can't help you. But if you're an investor, yeah, it's not going to work. You're going to look and you say, no, it feels like everything's down. Yep, because everything is down. Mm -hmm. So. So what question are we addressing right now then? So what changes should you be making to your overall investments? Well, I would start by meeting with my financial planner because when, as we meet with lots of folks that say, hey, can you, can you help me? And they've never worked with a financial planner before. Lots of actually boomers and other folks. And when we ask the question, well, when's the last time the person who's selling you investments talked to the person who's preparing your tax return? They're like, well, they never talk. I'm like, well, what you need is not investment sales. You need investment planning, and you don't need tax preparation, although that's important for compliance purposes, but you really need tax planning. And if you can coordinate those two, and a lot of times people are like, I don't want to coordinate those two, and they should be talking anyways, and they're not. You're right. So come to some place where you can have that coordination of your financial life in, all yeah. under one roof. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that you're you're kind of pointing this to more of a financial planning issue than just an investment issue, right? Well, for, it, it it is because it is. it's yeah. it's it's because people say it's an investment planning issue right now. No, it isn't. If you've got a bunch of non qualified stuff, it's a tax planning issue. Yeah. And this might be time where you've you've said over the past, hey, I can't really do anything with my portfolio because if I touch any of the stuff, I'm gonna get killed with gains. Hey, you might be able to move a bunch of stuff right now. Yeah. And, and I guess that's the point. You know, if if you remember, what is the purpose of your investment portfolio? You you chose to invest those dollars for some specific purpose, some goal that you have in mind, some ideal future that you've envisioned for yourself. And you might be feeling like, man, it's not doing its job right now. And I need to make some changes or I, I feel like the world is out of control. So I want to take control. I want to do something proactive or really at this point, it's responsive if we're yeah. being honest. Yeah. But But here's the thing. There may be other moves that you can be making in your financial life right now that do still help you achieve your goals or take hold of that ideal future. Things like, you know, we, we talk a lot on the show about Roth conversions, for example. Uh, it's been a while since we've explained why those are so helpful during a down market, though. 
if you can shift money from an IRA to a Roth IRA, pay some tax in the move, but then let the rebound happen in a tax-free environment, you talk about something that improves your financial future. Um, it, it's something tangible that you could be doing uh, in your financial life to to improve your ability to reach these goals. Yeah. Yep. I, I completely agree. Working with your certified financial planner, you'll f- confirm that you're taking the right strategies, taking the right level of risk, which is way, that's the first step before you consider making any changes. Second, we'll make sure you've got the right rebalance schedule. And third, and Kevin, you brought this up earlier as well. I've, I've gotten this question from some fans of the show, as well as some others. And that is, should I keep contributing? When I look at my statement or when I log in, I'm seeing that I'm losing money. So I just put $1,000, contributed $1,000 to my 401k, and I pull up my 401k statement and I've lost $2,000. Therefore, I've lost that money. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> I should do something else. Mm-hmm. And I would I, working with your certified financial planner, they're going to help you to say, oh, no, actually, you're going to be using this money. So start investing those new dollars into you know stable value or, or low risk. Wrong. If you're 30 or 40... I, yeah, that would be wrong. And you're buying shares with those dollars yep. at cheaper prices. You're buying more shares because the value per share is less. And so um, they're going to help your, your your certified financial planner is going to help you through all of that. That's right. And, and they're going to help you do the things that you might not naturally want to do because your emo- emotions are pointing you in one direction and the right plan for you might be in a different direction. Yeah, you know, we tell clients all the time that the best thing you can do when the stock market is down, especially when it's in a bear market, is what? It's be a buyer. Mm-hmm. Accumulate more shares on on sale that will give you a, a sharp rebound when things do start to recover. But if you can't be a buyer because maybe you're in retirement, you don't have new contribution dollars to add, um, whatever. You know, maybe you're doing all that you can for your long-term goals and you can't save any more into investment accounts. That's fine. Second best thing you can do, don't be a seller when the market is down. I, I actually had a client once. Uh, he was a farmer. Uh, Kevin and I, I, we actually served him together. And he used to say, you know, when the, the grains come out of the field, when it's in the bin, it's been dried and everything, now the decision point comes. He has to decide, when do I take this to market and get paid for all that work, all that risk that I took and everything. And when prices would be down, he had a saying, he'd say it to his wife, and I think it was more for his benefit, but he'd said, baby, lock the grain bin. Don't let me sell any of this right now, right? Don't be a seller when, when corn prices are really low. Hang on and wait for a better, better day. And I, I got to tell you, there's a lot of investors right now that need to lock the grain bin. Don't start selling at this point. Hold on for a better day. Yeah, and that's the problem is we're all hardwired to say, hey, the market's down 20%. So our brain immediately says, hey, it's going down another 20%. So I should do something. And as you listen to all this, you're like, well, you know, if the Fed does this, then this. And if it doesn't, then that. And I have no control. And so I want to take some sort of control. So I'm going to sell something or do something like don't do that. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Generational wealth is made in times like this. Mm hmm. So this is where I would make sure I'm getting it right. It's interesting, you know, could this market continue to fall further? I think that's very possible. I did a Wise Money video, I don't know, a couple, maybe a month ago, about when will we know the market's bottomed? Because the market's been sort of flat for the past month and a half, which is a nice reprieve compared to the previous six months. And it seems like 
markets will bottom, at least if this is connected to a recession, when markets are officially cheap. They're getting cheaper, but I don't know if we're there yet. Two, no one wants to invest anymore. <laughs> That's typically, yeah. if you go back and look, you'll find a headline connected to every bad, really, really bad stock market that says stocks are dead. You know, people yeah. don't want to invest. That's yeah. typically a And they're, they're even going to the extreme of selling at record paces. Right. And then third, the Fed needs to be accommodating. There's this, mm-hmm. there's this saying out there, don't fight with your spouse. No, don't uh-huh. fight the Fed. And, uh, and right now, the Fed hasn't even started to tighten yet, really. And, uh, and so it, you could argue that stocks, stocks can't bottom until the Fed starts accommodating again. And they really need to start tightening before they can accommodate. One more Wall Street saying for you, that stocks climb a wall of worry. And the point is, when all the economic data is still negative and everything just seems really pessimistic, it's dark clouds everywhere, that is when the stock market begins its ascent. Um, It begins climbing and recovering, and it doesn't make emotional or intuitive sense, but that's how it works. Yeah. The stock market's a leading indicator of the economy. You feel the economy. You live in the economy. It impacts your job, your earnings, what you pay at the grocery store, what you pay at the gas pump. The stock market, though, is leading that. It's moving ahead of that. So uh, the big the big idea, guys, you might need to make some changes to your investments right now. Make those changes within the context of your overall financial plan. Are you taking the right level of risk? Do you have the right strategies? Don't make those decisions just based on emotions. Work with your CFP. That's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. You didn't give me so, the finger. I w- he wasn't paying attention, and I wasn't sure if you could see the clock. So. No, I, w- I would have kept going, dude. I had, I had another five minutes. <laughs> Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.